Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sustainability Podcast, where we talk about how we all have the ability to contribute to sustainable actions in our everyday lives. Today, I am so excited to have a conversation on sustainability in biosystems engineering, nuclear power, and exploring those topics in school. I am overjoyed to have my great friend and colleague, Camille Coulter, on the show with us today. Camille and I both have minors in sustainability at Auburn University. However, she has been able to explore sustainability in biosystems engineering and nuclear power. She's been involved in many sustainability-focused projects and initiatives that I am so excited to learn more about. So, Camille, it is so great to have you on the show. Welcome. Hi, Caroline. It's so good to talk to you again. So Camille, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe like what your background is in sustainability? Yeah, sure. So I'm currently a senior at Auburn University, about to graduate in May, thankfully. So I'm in biosystems engineering. That is kind of unknown to some people, but it's a focus on producing engineers that are globally competent in a lot of the sustainable and resilient issues that we face with food, water, energy, the environment, and our health. So I also have two minors at Auburn. I have the nuclear power minor, the sustainability studies minor, and I also work for the Office of Sustainability on campus. Well, those are all wonderful things. It seems like you are very involved both on campus and with your career and personal goals. So how did you, I guess, get involved in sustainability and what made you um, like pick this career path? Okay, so I would say it was probably the sustainability intro course at Auburn. I took it purely for fun. I take a lot of classes to kind of break up the engineering schedule. So I just took that one because I was interested in like learning more about sustainability. But then I really liked it and I decided to declare the minor. And I took along with the intro, like food for thought, climatology, I got lead accredited. And then I did the senior capstone. So I would say that that's where it all started is the minor and just like through all of the classes I've taken, I've gotten a lot more understanding and information that's kind of put it into my trajectory for my career. Sure. Yeah. It seems like it's all like, they're all cohesive. Um, mm -hmm. Like your major and minors seem to be very on like a cohesive track of um, kind of what right. you're doing and your impact. Um, yeah. I guess also like it, would be good to know. I like literally changed to biosystems because of the sustainability and the nuclear power minor. So like it was kind of a domino effect. Like I got the sustainability minor and then I, due to some course reasons, had to stay another year at Auburn University. And I decided, oh, well, I guess I'll pick up another minor. And I wanted to tie in sustainability with engineering. So I picked up the nuclear one. And then from there, I was like, oh, maybe I don't like my major. So I changed my major because of it. Wow. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. It was well, just a big snowball effect. <laughs> for sure. It seems like, so it seems like you had a lot of inspiration in sustainability. So mm -hmm. I guess you can, can you talk about that? So I guess mm -hmm. from your first class in sustainability at Auburn, um, kind of like maybe what you learned or some projects you were involved in, e even your senior capstone. Right. So with the intro class, I just learned a lot about like kind of science with cl like the climate issues that we're facing, but I mean, not very in detail because it's an introduction class. So like it's hard, obviously, to cover all of the issues we face in just one 
semester. So that's why I decided to go into the minor because then you could choose courses that focused on the issues that you were interested in. And that's why I chose like um, food for thought because I've always been really interested in like what we put into our bodies and like the ethical practice of farming, um, which kind of goes in with my biosystems engineering career now because it's a joint major between the College of Agriculture and the College of Engineering. So that kind of ended up working out. The climatology class, obviously climate is the big issue. So that one speaks for itself, but I learned a lot about like the weather patterns and I didn't expect that. And that's where I learned a lot about the urban heat island effect, which kind of is going to, I guess, be a topic later in the discussion. Cause that's like kind of why the shift in future career goals happen. But then also with my lead accreditation class, cause I took that one purely because you got to like actually get a credential from the course. And I was like, that might be fun. But then I took it and I was like, wait, this is really cool. Like learning about how buildings can be more sustainable and like learning about living buildings and just how that could positively affect like you as an employee. Um, in my senior capstone, we did uh, the green labs on campus project. So I got to just go talk to a few of the labs on campus that participated and we like did waste audits, figured out how much they were throwing away that could be recycled. And we tried to implement paths for them to encourage recycling over throwing out. And then we also looked into like shutting the fume hood more because a lot of people will leave it open and you don't realize how much energy that that wastes in your lab. And then also freezer temperatures, they have like very low temperature freezers, but and this wasn't my part of the project, so I don't know the specific temperature that you can set it at, but it's still low enough to keep the samples like in good condition, but it reduces your energy consumption a lot. That's really incredible. I had no idea um, that that was all that your capstone entailed. Um, I love hearing about that. And also all of those courses are very like holistic view to mm -hmm. sustainability. And I know I um, took a few of the same ones and I also took like a hunger studies course um, because I guess, like you were saying, you can really create your own path of what you want to learn about. So right. I took like a hunger studies course um, and I'm also hopefully going to take climatology next semester. So very, I loved that, that class. I thought yeah. that it was like very eye-opening because I mean, I didn't really know what climatology entails but like you actually learn a lot about just like science stuff. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Cause I didn't really think it would be like science-based. I don't know why I didn't think that, but I didn't. <laughs> well, fun fact, I actually used to want to be a meteorologist. So I oh. was like, oh, meteorology and climatology. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. actually why I didn't go down the meteorology and climatology. Cause I knew how much science went into it. And I was like, I love to oh, design gosh. so maybe I put maybe this not. burner. yeah <laughs> right um but that's awesome so tell us more about your future career I know you mentioned the heat island effect and all that you learned um about that so how will you be working more towards a sustainable future so I have looked upon graduation at a lot of like more civil roles which biosystems does kind of set you up for civil paths 
but I've also applied to a master's program of engineering that focuses on sustainable smart cities. So hopefully like in the future, I could be able to work at a company that's designing more lead accredited buildings and buildings that are conscious about the heat island effect and making sure that like neighborhoods become more walkable and we can get a better interconnection between people and the environment. I think that's really important because I'm reading a book right now for the Office of Sustainability. So it's rooted by Lyanda Lynn Hopped. Um, I haven't gotten very far into it, but she brings up in the book a stat that's like, we spend, I think, 93% of our time indoors. And so if we're spending that much time inside, we should really be more focused on how that's affecting us and our health and making sure that we're living in buildings that are green or are living. Those are the coolest buildings to me, like living buildings that produce their own energy or their own water. It's very interesting, but you know, I think that that's really important. And a lot of people probably don't even realize the health risks that they have because of how much time they spend indoors and how much people spend sitting down indoors. So creating environments that encourage people to look outside, to go outside, to just stand up. I think that that is really important to a sustainable future. And that really resonates with me because that's kind of my like personal and like career aspiration as well to design spaces that do promote sustainability in every way. And that's not just giving back to the environment, but also making a space so that the occupants are healthy and safe too, um, mm-hmm. and and does encourage them to go outdoors more. And I think even, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic, more and more people want those safe community spaces mm-hmm. that are outside because that's where they know they can be safe. Um, and of course, without a lot of you know physical interaction, with COVID, that came with COVID, we all want to like be in a community space again. So kind of that that's where my architecture career has taken me a lot is trying to create mm-hmm. those spaces that are, um, you know, going down the lead accreditation um, list and seeing how we can incorporate a lot of that into the central design roles. So I really, I really admire your career aspiration because I think, <laughs> I think we're it's the same, same as yours. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, this sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. We're just, um, you're the design, I'm the build. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect duo. So Camille, you said you had a nuclear focused minor. So can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So this is within the College of Engineering, but it's not a major. It's just to create nuclear like intelligence with students who are mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, and all the other ones. Because if you go to a nuclear power plant, the amount of nuclear engineers is not that high. You have like a lot of mechanical engineers there who might not have nuclear knowledge until they get hired. So having the minor gives students a little leg up if they want to go into the nuclear field because they have knowledge that a lot of other students wouldn't have. So that's what we study. We study a lot about the mechanical systems, the electrical systems, possible career options, and just how the plant operates. Um, I know that a lot of people 
kind of when nuclear is brought up, they get scared because of stuff we've heard with like Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, Fukushima. Those are the three big um, nuclear quote unquote disasters. Some of them, yes, definitely a disaster. Three Mile Island was a avoided disaster. Um, but since, you know, the documentary recently came out, I think a lot of people still like classify it as something pretty big deal. But I mean, you have to think though, like there are so many problems with like coal and oil and gas and they kill people way more than nuclear power plants. I don't know the statistic, but just like the pollution they create alone kills people. Like people die because of smog and pollution. And we've only had three nuclear incidents. And that compared to all of the incidents we've had in natural gas and coal is very small. I think that people need to look into it on their own, not just watch the Chernobyl documentary or the Three Mile Island documentary, which the Chernobyl one is not a documentary. It's actually like a TV show and it's pretty good because that was like a crazy thing that happened. And at the time, we know so little about nuclear. And I think that a way to curb people's fear about it is to just remind them that we know so much more than we do, like we did. Everything we know now is so much more advanced. And we are like far from a nuclear incident. And with all of this like upcoming technology, we're advancing it even further. There's third generation reactors and fourth generation reactors. So like third generation is maybe what people have been hearing like small modular reactors. And then fourth generation, they're like designed to be more efficient, more sustainable and more safe. So as we develop new technology, it is going to be way safer. And if you think about long-term, we are not going to be able to sustain a growing population of people with just wind and solar. Like it's not possible. In Alabama, we can't have wind. Like I've talked to multiple people in different power companies. We don't have the capability for wind. We do have solar, but it makes up like less than 5% of Alabama's electric grid. And it's more just like the kind of icing on top you have to have baseload power. And if we're going to shift from coal, natural gas, we have to have nuclear. That's why we need to be putting in more research and more money into the science because if people are so scared of nuclear, you should be advocating for more research and more like future technologies like the small modular reactor, which has the capability of being put in a lot more places and it does produce less power, but because of its small footprint, it is more adaptable. So I think that people just hear nuclear, they get scared because they associate it with like the three things that have happened that really did suck, but not all of the amazing things that it could do for a future that doesn't produce pollution. Sure. So yeah. And I mean, I can even say, like, to be honest, I, I like I was a part of that. Like I was kind of like upon first hearing about nuclear energy a few years ago, I was like kind of scared because you do hear about those incidents. Um, I think 
I think you honestly hear way more about those incidents than all of the benefits of nuclear mm. energy and that, you know, then there's an associated stigma with nuclear energy, but it's a really clean um, and sustainable source of energy. And it's true. Like we're kind of on a clock now, you know, oh. like we, we can't, <laughs> we can't, um, we're kind of on a clock now. Like we just can't, we, we can't sustain our world much longer off coal oh. and natural gases. And it's just not, it, and it's not a clean source of energy to begin with. So right. um, can you talk a little bit about your inspiration in nuclear? I, um, I know there's a lot of really in- incredible initiatives going on right now. Because like a lot of people have been hearing more about it with Vogel being put up, Vogel three and four. That is very exciting because it's like the first um, reactor in like 30 years, I think. So I'm very excited about that, but I'm obviously super excited about like the small modular reactor. Um, New scale is kind of the one that a lot of people are talking about. So if anyone listening is interested in learning more about what a small modular reactor is, what it's capable of doing, look up SMRs, um, small modular reactors. Also, if you're interested in like fourth generation reactors, there's I think six different types. You can look into all of those. Like, for example, like there's molten salt reactors. So instead of water, you have salt as um, your primary coolant for the reaction. So it's all very cool, like what we're capable of doing. And I think like, oh, what was the coolest that really happened um, over, I believe it was winter break, um, the Department of Energy had a big announcement that they had a small scale fusion reaction take place, which people don't understand like how big of a deal that is. It's like massive because fusion is something like we haven't been able to do. And like, obviously large scale fusion is still far away or at least like maybe in our lifetime, but maybe towards the end. It is a very cool concept because they say that if you do fusion instead of fission, which we currently do, you don't produce waste. Um, And so if we're not producing waste, that's the main problem that a lot of people have. Like people are like, well, what do you do with the nuclear waste? Um, With fusion, you wouldn't have to worry about that. So that would be very cool to see some more fusion technology take place. I'm very excited with that information. Um, So I can't wait to see like where we go from here. There's a lot of Department of Energy research. They do it um, in Oak Ridge. And then um, I think it was, we actually had students at Auburn get to go tour Los Alamos um, last semester, I think. So that's pretty cool. They have a lot of great stuff happening at the Department of Energy. That's really great. I am so excited. And I remember hearing about the fusion, actually. Um, it was when Miss America was on and our Miss America now, Grace Stanky, is a right. nuclear engineer. She's studying to be a nuclear engineer. And I remember her mentioning it on like live TV about the fusion. And I was like, wait, I was just reading a news article about this, too. So it's really great to have like shared passions like that because we're all working for a better tomorrow. And it's super exciting seeing all of the, like, I mean, I could never imagine that this would happen now, like in the present day. Mm -hmm. So it's really exciting to see all of these steps toward a more sustainable future with clean energy. Right. 
Well, you mentioned the book that you're reading for the sustainability office. I'd love to learn more about what you do there, what your work looks like, and maybe even like what the sustainability office at Auburn University does. So I have a dual like role um, that I share with someone else because they felt that both of us would work well in both roles. So like I do two tasks. I'm a program coordinator, but I'm also a communication specialist. So as the program coordinator, I obviously coordinate programs. <laughs> One of those is our battery recycling program. So we've um, initiated a campus-wide battery recycling program along with facilities. So facilities picks up like the, the bigger batteries that are more high risk. We pick up the like AAA alkaline and like lithium ion little baby batteries that people put in like their remotes and stuff. So I coordinate the pickup, the sorting and the processing of that. Um, but then as a communication specialist, I talk to people on campus. One of my prime roles is that I write the campus change maker posts that we put on our website. This gives me the opportunity to go and speak to people on campus who are doing like really cool stuff that is related to sustainability. So I've spoken to um, the assistant dean for the Office of Inclusion, Equity, and Diversity within COSAM. So we talked about affordability and accessibility within college campuses, predominantly like we focused on Auburn, obviously. Um, I talked to the teacher of a freshman course called Live Green, Save Green, which is in the first year experience office. After talking to him, I was like, dang, I really missed out because it was a very cool course for freshmen to live with other people who were interested in sustainability and go to class with them. And they all got to like focus on a project that just got them hooked in with people either like, um, I think Alabama Water Watch was one of them, but then they also worked with like waste reduction and recycling on campus. I also got to speak with a student too, I still um, spoke with the sustainability, I guess, coordinator for SGA. So her role is kind of like what the Office of Sustainability and SGA go through. So we communicate with her a lot. I also talked to a professor in veterinary med who is like an avid biker because we did Cycle September, which was encouraging people to ride their bike more. And she that she biked crazy. I don't even know. It was like 60 plus miles a week. And that was predominantly for transportation purposes. Wow. So I was like, wow, <laughs> I know. And then last I got to speak with someone who does like, they're a specialist for Auburn. So they do kind of research um, for the forestry, wildlife and natural resources on campus. And well, they're off campus, but for that department. And they grew up in Guatemala, Guatemala on their family farm that produces coffee beans. And they still sustainably produce coffee beans and you can buy them online. So I thought that was a pretty cool thing. Like I got to meet all these cool people doing really great stuff and all very different stuff too. So you get to see like all the ways that you can actually like make a change. It's not just set in stone one way. So those are like the predominant things that I've done. We also do research on sustainable initiatives. So 
one of my counterpart, he does like green labs research. So he's done a lot of research on what I mentioned before, like the freezers, those like ultra low temperature freezers. Um, we've started research on renewables on college campuses. So we've looked at colleges around us, like around Auburn University, and we've seen what they're doing. So the office, they do sustainable programs on campus, like the battery recycling, but they also do outreach initiatives. Um, this month, we went and did native tree planting in Crayer um, Natural Preserve. I think that's what it's called, Crayer. Yeah, Crayer Nature Preserve. Yeah, I had an yes. art project there. Yep. Yes. So that's stuff that like they do for outreach. We also put on events on campus to get people interested in sustainability. And like I said, we do research. So we're trying to promote change within like departments and the campus as a whole by conducting like research on how other people are doing it and seeing if it can be implemented on our campus. That's awesome. I love hearing all about that because even as a student at Auburn University with a sustainability minor, I didn't even know about a ton of the things y'all are doing. Um, so I really love if anybody listening wants to check them out, please visit their website because they have some incredible highlights of their mm -hmm. research and initiatives. But I love hearing all about that because truly this podcast was created to show the listeners that they can be involved no matter what industry they're in, what um what school they're in, like anything, their career path right. or trajectory, they can be involved in sustainability because there's so many different paths to go down. And I think you did a great job, um, like, I guess, representing the offices of sustainability too, in that there's so many different projects and research initiatives going on mm -hmm. in so many different fields. So I really loved hearing about that. And on that note, how, like, do you have any advice um, for others to get involved in sustainability or how should they start to get mm -hmm. involved? Yeah, so I, through the Office of Sustainability, was able to attend the ASHE conference in 2022. That's the Association for the Advancement of Sustainability in Higher Ed. And one of the kind of talks that I went to, one of the seminars was about point of intervention. So it's finding your place in the movement and it focused a lot on, you have to figure out what you love or the opposite, you have to figure out what really makes you angry and go from there. So if you can find something that you're passionate about, like either because it's something you care deeply for or because it's something you see in the world that just makes you so mad that it has to change, that's where you need to invest your time and energy because that's where you're going to create the most positive change because obviously you care a lot about it. And when you care a lot about something, you put more effort. So, I mean, you don't have to change the world. You just have to change your world. Like your little part that you think is important and encourage other people to do the same because we all have different things that we want to see. So if you like, you see someone doing something really great in this area, then you do something really great in something more suited for you. And then I think, one thing like everyone can do is just think more consciously about the way like we interact with the world and with people because like an important part of sustainability is the social aspect being kind to others and like not being discriminatory and making sure that everyone feels included but like at the same time as you shouldn't put the whole weight on your shoulder you should be making some changes like 
sustainable consumerism is important. Obviously, like don't buy what you can't afford. Don't shop at Erwin or whatever, Erwin, that place in California that's like way too expensive. Like you don't have to do that, but like look at companies that you're supporting. Um, one thing that I always tell people is stop buying from Shein. I know that like it's cheap, but there's lots of other cheap options and you can get much better quality at some of these places because that's another thing like that goes back to the social. A lot of people want to kind of take the people out of it and like there are a few degrees removed. So you don't know the person that works in that facility. So it's not a problem to you, but there's still people that's there and they're not being treated fairly. So like making sure that you don't support companies that do that is really important. And then again, finding your place that is important to you and pushing your way into that. Sure. Yeah. That's all really great advice. And I think it just resonates that it's not about perfection, but about progress mm-hmm. and making those small steps because small steps lead to change. Right. Um, and yeah, sustainable consumerism, super important because that's a small change that we can all make. I actually work at a grocery store right now that's super sustainable in more ways than one. And we have a whole buying in bulk section. It's actually mm-hmm. like one of the things we're known for. And buying in bulk at grocery stores is super important, especially when it's locally sourced. Um, and then yeah, in fashion and apparel, I mean, I tell everyone this, but my entire like professional wardrobe is from Poshmark. Like I'm always getting yes. things secondhand because one, it's like financially, like so much <laughs> like smarter choice, but also like it's reusing that apparel that would have been like going to waste um, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean? So um, yeah, but all really great advice, Camille. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for sharing all of your wonderful work you're doing to contribute to a more sustainable future. Of course. And thank you listeners for tuning in and make sure to tune in next time for our next conversation in the interview series. Remember that you have the ability to contribute to sustainable actions and to build a better tomorrow today. Mm-hmm.